Lord, we thank you for your presence here. We thank you that you're a God who's exalted in our praises, Lord, that you inhabit the praises of his, of your people. And thank you, Lord, for uh, the fact that we can adore you, Lord, our crucified and risen Savior. Lord, you're King of kings and Lord of lords, God. Lord Jesus, we give you praise this morning. And today, Lord, we just want to sanctify our hearts to you, Lord, and we pray that you would... Um, minister to us, speak to us through your word, Lord. Lord, it's like water to a thirsty soul, Lord, and we long to hear from you. And I pray, Lord, for the help of your Holy Spirit. We give you praise. We pray that we would walk out of here changed, Lord, and that you would minister, Lord, in our hearts, in our lives, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Great worship. That's awesome. Good morning. Welcome to Resurrection Church. How's everyone doing? Yeah. Well, we've. If you're online, hello. Say hello. Say, give a like. All that kind of online stuff. All right. Hey, uh, next week you'll want to come, because you want to come to church every Sunday, but next week you have something special planned. Um. <laughs> What's that? Should I say? Yes. Okay, okay. <laughs> so we have, we have um, a brother here in, the, in our midst that is, oh, by the way, we forgot to do one more thing. I'll announce this, then we'll do one more thing. Yeah, so uh, we have a dear brother here in our midst that has been really with us since before we even started the church. In fact, uh, Daniel and Allie came to me like, <laughs> they say, we're supposed to go to your church, and I hadn't even announced I was going to plant a church. So, But Daniel has been um, the most faithful, loyal, every other adjective, good adjective you can think of, um, constant and and has has he's he's he is a gem both you guys are gems and next week we're gonna we're gonna do something we're gonna officially lay hands on him as being a deacon in our church and it's something it's stuff he's already he's already doing the deacon stuff we're just now giving him the official recognition and so if you want to come next week we'll do that as part of our service it's it's uh um i i see great great things for this man things that even he doesn't realize that the Lord wants to do in his life. And I am just, I'm thrilled to have Daniel and Natalie and with our team. And I'm sure you guys can attest, you know, he's, so um, next week we're going to do that. So, uh, so come and uh, we're going to celebrate that. Um, and then uh, forgot to do one more thing is it's Joshua's birthday in two days. So we want to sing happy birthday. So maybe if a couple of the, Michelle and <laughs> Nick can lead the key, <laughs> I'll mute myself. Cause <laughs> Can be 19. Can you believe it? 19 years old. Wow. Oh, wow. So if you have your Bibles, open up to the book of James. We're going to finish James chapter 4. Which means we only have one more chapter left in this, in this, in this wonderful epistle. How have you guys been enjoying going through the book of James? Yeah, yeah that's a great book. Uh, James, of course, uh, just remind uh, he's a he's a half brother of Jesus, and uh, he is um, he wasn't a believer during Jesus's life, but he became a believer after Jesus appeared to him um, after the resurrection. And James is a very practical book. He's 
he's like a pastor, you know, and he's writing to, to believers that have been scattered, they're going through things in life, they're going through trials, and uh, he is teaching them. And of course, the main theme of this book has been really on spiritual maturity, uh, even in the midst of trials. And, and one of the main things he's been talking about is maturity with how we talk and use our tongue, and maturity with how we approach our life. And uh, he's taken a lot from uh, the Sermon on the Mount from Matthew 5, 6, and 7, uh, Jesus' teaching, and some from the Old Testament as well. And now he is—he has just got finished in John, uh, James, John, James, John, James chapter four, with discussing uh, the the idea of of conflict. You know, in the first part of the chapter, he dealt with the source of quarrels in the midst of you is is really is pride and selfishness, and he says the key is humility, right? Humility is the key for for conflict, right? It's the key to cure conflict. It really is what he says. And so he finished saying that at the end of verse 10. He says, humble yourselves before, uh, before in the presence of the Lord, and he will exalt you. So you're coming into, you come out of his presence having been changed, right? And that's the idea of spending that time with the Lord or, or having that, that humility of, of understanding who you are in God. Uh, and then he, um, he gets into uh, what we talked about last week, the idea of um, not judging and being critical, if you missed last week, um, you can check it out. But sometimes the idea of, of being critical and slanderous uh, is, is injurious to people, and it's contrary to God's nature. It's contrary to what he's called you to be as Christians. And so he addressed that. But now uh, he's going to address uh, our approach with life. You know, He's going to approach our attitude towards life. So uh, verse 13 to verse 17. Let me read here. Come now. You who say today and or, or tomorrow we will go to such and such a city and spend a year there and engage in business and make a profit. Yet you do not know what your life will be like tomorrow. You're just a vapor that appears for a little while then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, uh, uh, you ought to say, if the Lord, if the Lord wills, we will do this. Uh, we will we will live and also do this and that. But as it is, you boast in your arrogance, all such boasting is evil. Therefore, to one who knows the right thing to do and does not do it, to him it is sin. Now James, of course, is addressing the attitude of somebody. These obviously were businessmen in this case, but the attitude of just going on in life and having life going according to your plan. Right? And the, the sort of the arrogance of presumption. That's really the sin he's talking about, you know. Uh, what he's not saying that it's he's not saying that it's a bad thing to make plans, right? Because uh, he says, you know, come now, you who say today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a city and spend a year, make you know, make plans, engage in business. He's not saying that it's bad to make plans. How many guys are planners? How many guys like 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 to plan things out like a, a year in advance? <laughs> you know, months, I mean, you know, weeks in advance, you know. Uh, some of us are, 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 are uh, have the, uh, they used to have, what are those books called? Day the day timers, you know, and the one, the calendars, you know. How many of you guys had those back in the, and the, the, the fancy covers? Because everything was on a schedule, right? You know, and, and nowadays we have our, our smart, smart devices, we have our calendars, and we have reminders. I have so many reminders, I, have to, I don't even look at my, I have to get a reminder to look at my reminders because <laughs> my days are so full, Right. But so we, it's okay to plan. There's nothing wrong with planning. Um, uh, Proverbs, um, Proverbs, I think it was a Proverbs six. Proverbs says, like, look at the ant, O sluggard. Observe her ways and be wise. Which, having no chief, fish officer or ruler, prepares her food in the summer, and gathers her provision in the harvest. You know, the, the ant even knows how to plan for the future, right? That's a, you know, it's 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 a good thing. Um, Proverbs 31 uh, is about the, the Proverbs 31 woman who uh, considers a field and buys it, right? And she, she earns things and she makes things and she plans ahead, right? She, she, uh, you know, she does these things. That's a good thing to plan, right? It's, so James is not saying it's, that it's wrong. Um, even in Genesis, Joseph planned ahead for the, for the famine that was coming, you know? Um, it's good to make plans to to you know make you know um, make uh, 
make uh, preparations, I guess you can say, college and trips and, you know, making goals and, you know, even God planned ahead. You know, Jesus fulfills the plan of God. Uh, so James is not saying that it's wrong to plan. He's also not saying that it's wrong to make a profit. So some people are like, well, James is talking about he's anti-capitalism. Uh, no, 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 no. He's not saying that. He's not saying it's wrong. It's good to make profit. It's good to have business. If you have a good business, you're producing, first of all, you're, you're giving jobs to people, right? That's benefit to some. But you're making products that hopefully are useful, useful to people and, and people want that, you know, and so it improves people's lives. Those are good things, you know. Uh, he's not saying it's wrong to, to actually make a profit or engage in business. In fact, Jesus tells us uh, a parable about slaves that were given their master's money and they invested their master's money differently. And some invested it wisely and the foolish slave just buried the money. You know, and the master comes back and says, well, at least you could have put in the bank and give me some interest, you know. Now, nowadays, you know, interest in the bank is not much, maybe 10 cents <laughs> for every $10,000 or something, you know. But the idea is, is that it's good to take what you have and to invest and to, and to, uh, to turn to something, you know. And that's, just, that's a good thing. So he's not saying that it's wrong to engage in a business or to make a profit or to do those kind of things. Obviously, he's, he's approaching something else. And what he's speaking against, of course, is the idea of being presumptuous that all of your plans will come to pass in the way you envision it and that you are under control. Um, it's this overconfident person, this self-confident person that thinks all of life is under their control, right? That things will go according to their plan. Now, how many of you guys have had plans in life that have not come to pass? Okay, let's just, okay, let's just, let's be real here. I mean, those of us who are young or older, or young at heart, but older and <laughs> when we were younger, we thought life ahead of us was all, we had it all planned out and we had things we were gonna do and as we get older, we realize, I need help even tying my shoes sometimes. You know? I can't, I, I, I think I can plan out the day. You know, I didn't plan for the signs to be taken down this morning. Um, some of us, we have this, we ha we're learning as we mature in the Lord that there are things that are, are um, out of our control. Well, James is talking about the person that is is self-confident and is a he is successful in in what he does and james is saying that man uh doesn't even consider god in fact there are there there are three kinds of people one kind of person god doesn't even enter their mind where they just live life as if there's no god right i hope there's nobody here in that and you know but but there are some people that live life as if God doesn't exist. They don't consider God's will, God's desires, God's, God's control, God's anything, right? They just live life. And that's what he's, he's talking to. I think he's talking to, uh, to people like that. But then there's some people who actually know God's will and reject it. They say, I know what your will is, God, but I don't want it. And James actually is going to hint at that at the last verse where he says, to the one who knows the right thing to do and does not do it to him, it's sin, right? So there are those who, who don't even know God's will, you know, and don't care about it. There are those who do and those who reject it. And then there's those who are really ignorant of God's will, you know, and, uh, and hopefully they can decide how to follow God. He says, he says to the overconfident leader who says, we will go, if you look at the, uh, verse, uh, verse 13. Three times it says, we will go. The, the way this is written in the Greek text, it's a future tense, which implies a, we're, this is gonna happen. We're gonna, it's not written like this may happen, right? We're gonna go, we're gonna do a business, we're going to this city, we're gonna spend the year, and we're gonna make money, as if it's all under your control. That's the attitude of this person who's doing that, right? Um, it's the... Um, it's the uh, the idea that success is only in in our hands. 
Um, and James is going to say, first of all, he's going to point out uh, three things. Uh, I, I'm going to get into verse 14 here. First is you don't know. You, you don't know. Um, you, you think you know, but you don't know. Um, you don't even know what your life is going to be like tomorrow. Right? Um, you can plan, but you don't know what your life is going to be like tomorrow. In, in the Gospel of Luke, Jesus tells a parable. Can you go there? Luke 12, let's go there. <clears throat> I'm gonna, let's read it. Luke chapter 12. In verse, uh, verse 16. If you're not there, say yo. yo. Okay, I'll wait. <laughs> Couple of yo-yos out there, right? <laughs> that just came to my mind. So that wasn't planned. <laughs> I did it on Friday because I want the kids to be along with me, so I want the adults too. All right, Luke 12 and verse 16. Um, And he told a parable saying the land, and let me read verse 15 just to set up. He said, beware and be on your guard against every form of greed for not even when one has an abundance does this life consist of possessions. Now he told a parable, verse 16, the land of a rich man was very productive and he began reasoning to himself saying, what shall I do since I have no place to store my crops? Then he said, this is what I will do. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grains and my good, my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have many goods laid up for many years to come. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. This is the kind of person that James is talking about. I have it all under control. Life is under, is all under control. It's under. I have it all figured out. But God said to him, verse twenty, "You fool." This very night your soul is required of you. And now who will own what, what, you happen to be, what you have prepared? So is the man who stores up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. That's the kind of person James is talking about. The, the idea of, of having God not even in the picture, right? And James is saying, one, you don't even know what your life will be like tomorrow. You know? Go back to James. We He says, for, your, for you are a vapor. Okay? First of all, you don't know. Life is uncertain. Life doesn't go the way according to plans. You don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Um, and so the presumption of planning with this attitude of, oh, it's going to happen, is what James is warning about. Proverbs 27 one says, do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring forth. It's the idea of this boasting arrogance of what's going to happen. There's nothing wrong with planning, right? But planning as if it's all under your control is what James is talking about. Planning as if, as if your will will be done. Right? Now sometimes, how many of you guys get frustrated when your plan is not happening? Come on, you get up in the morning and you have, this is, let's, we should all raise our hands because we all do this, right? We wake up in the morning and we have our agenda for the day, right? How it's going to go. And then when it doesn't go, we get frustrated, right? We get, we get thrown off because, it's, it's, because, it's, because we want to have things done. So James says, you don't know. Life is uncertain. Um, you don't know how life is going to go. There's a song. I wanted to play it this morning. Some of you guys will know what I'm going to talk about here. It's a song called Which Way the Wind Blows by Second Chapter of X. I mean, guys, way back when, in the 80s, this is a fantastic song. I wish we had the capability of playing it over the overhead. Um, I'm going to read the, the words to the song. It's by Second Chapter of X, 
It's uh, Two Sisters and a Brother. And uh, the song is phenomenal. I, my, I'm just going to read the words. It says, uh, feel a feeling, say a saying, but you will still be lonely if you think life is only for this moment. Do a doing, mourn a mourning, still won't get you off your sorrow. So go ahead and cry, but you can't pry a look at tomorrow. You don't know which way the wind blows, so how can you plan tomorrow? You don't know which way the wind blows, so how can you plan tomorrow? That's the, that's the course. Next verse. Run a running, hide a hiding, whenever you hear the truth. And when you ask for the proof, you won't listen. Listen. Praise a praising, build a building, trying to get peace in your life. And you won't even know wrong from right. So how can you plan tomorrow? You don't know which way the wind blows, so how can you plan tomorrow? Die a dying, resurrecting, by believing and receiving forgiveness from Jesus, who took the sin from sinning. You don't know which way the wind blows, so how can you plan tomorrow? Jesus knows which way the wind blows, so, he can, so you can plan your tomorrow. Believe him and receive. You don't know which way the wind blows, so how can you plan tomorrow? You don't know which way the wind blows, so how can you plan tomorrow? It's the same idea. James says, you don't know. Don't know which way the winds blow. You don't have plan tomorrow, right? So what do we do? Right? What do we do? I think we have to be intentional with our days, don't we? Right? Plan for the future, yes. Pray, prepare, plan, all that. But the day that's been given to you is today, right? This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it, right? I think that we are to be intentional with each day that God has given us. What does that mean? That means if, the, if God's given you a day, it's a day to glorify him. It's a day to draw near to him. It's a day to make things right with people. It's a day to, to do as much as you can to lay up treasures in heaven, right? Be intentional with your day. And maybe more specific, be intentional with the things that are eternal. If we're not even guaranteed tomorrow, then I, if I knew that tomorrow was my last day, you know how I would live my day today? With a whole lot of, well, I would, with, with that in mind, <laughs> I'm meeting Jesus tomorrow, so I would, I would be calling people up, right? I would be, I would be telling people about the Lord. I would, I would prepare my heart. I, you know, I would live intentionally for, for, for eternity. Because if I'm not guaranteed tomorrow on this earth, I'm going to live eternity somewhere, right? So I'm supposed to be intentional about my life, and my and intentionality is, is really where God's leading me in my, my life right now is, is be intentional in my prayer life, you know? Be intentional with, with, with um, how I treat people, my family, you know? Uh, with, with, you know, that's kind of stuff. Things that matter. Things, things take a whole lot more serious tone when you realize your days are numbered. You can't live your life as if you think it's, you're going to live forever. I mean, you are going to live forever somewhere, heaven or hell. But you know what I'm saying? The days on our earth, we, we're not guaranteed. I hope we live long life. I hope we have longevity in all of our lives. I hope we live to be 100 and, you know, whatever, you know. But tomorrow may never come for some of us. And so what, what are we supposed to do? I think we're supposed to be intentional with our spiritual lives. Get our ho- spiritual house in order, Right? Forgive those people who have hurt you. Seek forgiveness of those you've hurt, right? That kind of thing. So James says, you're, you're, you're not even, you don't even know, right? You don't even know. Then he says this other thing. He says, you won't last. <laughs> Look what he says. You are a vapor, you are just a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. You won't last. You don't know, and then secondly, you don't you won't last. Again, we're not guaranteed tomorrow. He uses this word um, in the Greek that is uh, etmos. It's 
E-T-M-I-S. It's like atmosphere, but with an E, you know? It means vapor. It means, uh, and it's, it's uh, you get the idea, it's, a, that's, it's short-lived, right? Vapors are short-lived. And uh, in Israel, of course, it's a dry, it's a dry climate like, like Arizona. And, you know, when vapors would come, it would come in the morning, I think, and, and they won't last. And, and the idea is, it's in Scripture, of course, that, you know, our life is like a vapor. If you read Colo- uh, uh, Ecclesiastes, uh, he begins, he says, vanity of vanities, right, is, is uh, go to Ecclesiastes. Can you do that real fast? I want to show you something in here. So Ecclesiastes is sort of in the middle of your Bible. It's after Proverbs. <clears throat> Just a quick verse, but, um, and maybe, you know, Sometimes I wonder, should I take you to the verses or just read it to you? But you know, might as well. You have Bibles, might as well turn to them, right? First verse, second verse of Ecclesiastes. Right after Proverbs is Ecclesiastes. He says, vanity of vanity, says the preacher. Vanity of vanity is all of vanity. Does somebody else have a different translation than what I have? I have New American Standard. Does somebody else have? Meaningless? Okay, anybody else? So, so the word there in Hebrew is, is havel, and it means like a, the idea is like a vapor that just is here and gone. Futility, so they, they're, inter- they're translating as a, to, to give some meaning to it, but the actual word is, it's just here and there, you know, is it gone? That's our life. James is saying, you don't know what the future holds, and secondly, <laughs> you won't last long, right? And so, it's short-lived. Job talks about that in, um, in Job, I think it's Job 7. He says, my days are swifter than a weaver's shuttle and come to an end without hope. Remember that my life is, is but a breath, my eyes not will not again see good. When a cloud vanishes, it is gone. So he who goes down to Sheol, he does not come up. Um, Psalms uh, 39, Psalm 39 says, uh, verse five says, behold, you have made my days as hand breaths and my lifetime as nothing in your sight. Surely every man at best is a mere breath. So what is James saying here? You don't know what your life will be. And secondly, you won't last. Life is short and life is fragile, isn't it? I know I tend to be on the serious side. You know, I, um, I think it's for, uh, yeah. Um. So what does that mean for us? That means we are to live life with eternity in mind, right? Obviously, be in the present with people, but always have eternity in mind. What you do with your life, your decisions, your choices you make have eternal consequences, right? Live with eternity in mind. Lay up the treasures in heaven, right? Um, get healing for your past in Christ. Understand who you are in Christ. Understand what he's done for you, but use our time wisely. Live with eternity in mind. How many of you guys, when you're younger, Remember your parents would say, because my parents would say this to me, you know, you know, life will go by so fast. I remember my grandmother, both my grandparents saying, you know, John, I was, you know, okay, this does not leave this room. <laughs> but when I was little, they used to call me Johnny, little Johnny Core. Don't... Don't even dare to call me <laughs> When I was little, I mean little, little. Yeah, don't ever call me Johnny. You'll, you'll see a side of me you don't want to see. <laughs> I remember both my grandmothers saying, tell him, Johnny, Johnny, you know, your life is so quick. My grandparents were, were wise. They were, you know, wise. I respected them, great respect. And they kept telling me how life, how, f- li- how fast life is, right? Those of you guys who are young, I know it's gonna go one ear out the other. I'm just telling you, you're gonna, you're gonna be like, you're gonna be 35, you're gonna look back and say, what happened? 
My son is 19 in two days, right? Three days, two days? What you, two days. <laughs> see, when you get old, you forget things too, you know? When I see my son and my daughter, I still see them this high. I still haven't, they've grown up, but I'm still trying to grow up with them in my mind's eye. And I have to remember, they're adults, you know, and I have to treat them as adults and, and give them, a, you know, the adult. But in, my, but in my heart, I still, I'm like, and I love every part of their life and every stage of their life, but it's, it's Sharon, you know, it's gone by. And you blink. And in the span of eternity, that's what our life is. Just a blip on the screen. That's our life. So what are we to do with life but live with eternity in mind because we are going to spend some, we're going to spend the rest of our lives either in heaven or in hell. And now is the time to prepare for those things, for the eternal life. You know, the things we see are decaying, they're passing away, and they're unpredictable, you know. And so, um, so James is saying, you don't know and you, <laughs> you won't last. Be intentional with, with the kingdom of God. Live with eternity in mind. Live each day for God's glory. Cultivate your relationship with the Lord. Um, and then thirdly, I think James is saying this, and this is, uh, thirdly is you can't control it. You don't know, you won't last, and you can't control it. Life is not in your hands. You're just a vapor. Look at verse 14 again, back in James. You're just a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. Like you have no, even, no control over that. And that's why he challenges them. He says, he says later on in verse 16, instead you boast in your arrogance as if to say you can confidently say I'm going to do this or do that and I'm going to you know, I'm going to do that, you know. But life is not in your hands. Life is not in your control. Life, nothing, <laughs> really. <laughs> At the end of the day, there's very few things in our control. What we can control is, is Lord willing, our, 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 our choices to respond in obedience to God, right? You're not your own, in fact. We're not even our own. Even the very breath that comes in our lungs is from God. The very next heartbeat is from God, right? I can't control that. So what does that mean? If we're not in control, what does that mean with life? Well, here's what it means. Here's what it signifies. Is that with life, it's, you can either be rigid or be flexible. Right? Some of us, now let's just talk to our planners out there. Some of us have to stick to our plan, right? We've got to stick to our plan no matter what. So your plan is to go in a certain direction Okay, you're on the ocean, and you're in a boat, and you're going to that destination. But not in your plans is this bigger boat that's going, going in your way. And if you're the plan sticker person, you're going to run in and crash, right? Because you're just, you're just you're diligent, which is a good thing to, have, to be, right? You don't want to be flat. You want to stick to your plan. But there's times when you have to be flexible. There's times you have to adjust and say, oh, I guess we have to make some adjustments. That's okay. COVID was a big thing, right? Remember, January 2020, Michelle, I did a sermon deal on, you know, 2020 vision, you know, and looking forward to the future of this year, right? I, had all plan I, I planned out the entire year preaching schedule. You know that. Every, I had the entire calendar of 2020 planned out as far as what I was going to preach. I had series lined up. I had book studies lined up. I had all... And God said, <laughs> now, to, now, here's the thing. If I was a rigid person with my plans, it, it just was a mess. It would have been a mess. So there's times when you have to be adjustable and say, okay, Lord. So what you do is you make your plans in pencil and you present them to the Lord. Right? You make your plans in pencil and say, Lord, Here's, here's what I want here's what I see, <laughs> you know? And at the end of the day, what's our goal? Is it to get our will done or his will done? So if he says, 
you know, let's make these changes, or I, I don't want, I'm going to change it. Then you say, oh, thank you. If that's your will, I'm going to, I'm going to do that, right? We had to make, we had to, we learned, COVID taught us how to, to turn away from the ship, right? And then we had to deal with the mask and the, all that kind of stuff, you know? That wasn't in our plans. But if you were rigid, things, you know, we, we made adjustments. We had to, you know? 2020? How many of you guys have forgot about 2020? It's a, bl- it's a blur, isn't it? I don't remember 2020 whatsoever. You know that? Because it was just, who knew what was going to come next? Because God, 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 as James says, you're not in control. <laughs> you know, God's in control. Um, so be flexible in your plans. In fact, I would say this. I would say, um, just to, to add, make your plans with God in mind. You know, I see the, 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 the person in business and praying, Lord, direct me in, this, in, in these plans or be my counselor in these plans in my business. Don't just, it's just not Sundays only where God's involved in your life. James is saying, you know, God has to be involved with your life Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday, Friday and Saturday, all right? And there are some things that the, the, the Bible talks about, you know, the whole thing with God being sovereign over life. God is, or, is in control of all of life, right? He allows you to make your plans, but he, only he knows what's coming in the future. It's called the secret will of God, right? You know, there are certain things that are revealed will of God, like the commandments and the scripture, what we're supposed to do, love one another, that kind of thing. But there are certain things that are sort of only he knows. And guess what? You'll find out when you, when you go into that day. <laughs> what he already knew. And the idea is this. See, God doesn't tell you all of the future things because he wants you and I to trust him day by day, moment by moment. He doesn't give us the flight pans of our life. One, I think we've, some of us would, would freak out, you know? What? You want me to take me? What? I'm not ready for that. You're right, because I'm not going to tell you that until I work these things in you to bring you to this, right? Or he's got something that's so, it's like, like he's going to call you to, to something that's phenomenal and you don't see yourself as even deserving that. You know? So you have to live your life day by day in dependency on what he's... And, the, and that's, again, at the end of the day, it's your will be done. So you don't know. You won't be here long and you can't control. But guess what? The good news, of course, is that Jesus knows. Amen? Jesus knows. He is, the scripture says he knows the beginning from the end, right? Uh, um, he does know. He knows the plans he has for us. He knows where he's going to take us. He knows what he wants to accomplish in our lives, you know? So when you gave your life to Jesus Christ and you say, Lord, you're my Lord, my life is in your hands, guess what? Now he gets to direct, he gets to be the captain of your ship. Which means he, just get, he, get, he gets to call the shots, which, which is a wonderful thing because he's good and he's perfect and he's just, he's righteous and he's, he's gracious and everything else, right? He's loving, he's gracious, he's kind. He also is very wise, but Jesus knows. Um, we won't last, but Christ lasts forever. And what he does in your life is more profoundly enduring than what we do with our lives. How many of you guys, before you met Jesus Christ, your life was going one direction and then Christ got a hold of you and he's doing stuff in your life that, that you don't even, you're like, what? You're, you're putting this stuff in my heart? You're creating this, you're filling with your spirit and producing fruit in my life? If people saw me and they knew me from my past and they look at me where I was, they knew me then and they look at me now like, you're, you're not related. You're two different people, exactly. But Jesus Christ, that's what he does in our life, doesn't he? Christ knows and Christ endures and remains and what he accomplishes remains and of course Christ is in control. Jesus Christ is in control of our life. And James is trying to tell this boastful person, he says, he says, here's what your attitude ought to be. Look at verse 15. Instead of thinking that you're in control of your life, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and also do this or that. 
if the Lord wills. Let, and it's not just a, a saying you say, I'm just going to say this magic word, if the Lord wills, you know, but it's to really mean it from your heart to say, you know, Lord, here's my plans, here's what I like to see, but if the Lord wills, we'll do that. But if, it doesn't, if he has a different will, then his will is even perfect and better than what I thought his will was, right? I think in Romans, it has, what's the word verse in Romans? Is it um, Romans 12? Um, he says uh, in Romans 12, let me just read it to you. Are you guys with me? Yeah. All right, just making sure. I mean, you're here with me physically. <laughs> but like Romans 12, um, two, uh, one, he says, I urge you, my brethren, uh, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God. That's Romans 12.1, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world. That means don't have the world's mold on your mind, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is. And here's what it is. It's that which is good, acceptable, and perfect. And James is saying, when you live your life, live your life with such a way that you say, Lord, your will be done no matter what. Not my will be done, but your will be done. The difference between the self-made man who is so under his own control and he's prideful versus the, self, the God-dependent man who's humble and says, God, you direct my, my life. You direct the steps of my life. And that's the attitude we're to have is, Lord, if it's meant to be, I want you to let you direct it. And if it's, if it's your will, let that will be done because your will is good and it's perfect. And then James finishes, of course, with the challenges. Is now, those of you guys who are listening to me know what I'm talking about. And so what are you going to do with that? The person who knows what the right thing to do and does not do it to him, it's sin. You can't plead ignorance, James says. <laughs> and I think he's talking to believers here. I, I think in chapter five, he's going to talk to unbelievers, the first section, but this section, he's talking to, to believers who are getting caught up in things, you know? You know, maybe the Lord's saying, come back, you know, and trust things to him. So James says, you don't know what the future holds. You won't last, and you can't control it, but Jesus knows. Jesus endures, and Jesus is in control of all things. And of course, when he went to the cross, he was in control of all things. You know, realize when he was being crucified, he was holding every single molecule and atom and every subparticle you think of in the entire universe and all of existence. He was holding all that together and at the same time being crucified for your sins. That's control. That's also love, right? Um... Give God your plans. Live intentionally. Live with eternity in mind. Entrust your will to God's will. And see what he does. So Lord, first of all, let us prepare our hearts for, for our time of communion as we think about, Lord, the fact that you are, <coughs> that your will is being done. Ultimately, Lord, it's your will that's being done. Lord, I pray that we would submit ourselves to your will in our, every area of our lives, whether it's our job or whether it's our kids, you know, with parenting and everything, whether if it's things, we're, uh, our struggles that we're going through right now, let it be that we submit it to, to you, Lord. In, our, in our, our future, Lord, let us trust you with our future despite what our past may be, Lord. You can take the worst of us, Lord, and do something wonderful, Lord. We don't know what our future holds, but Lord, we know that you're the one that holds our future, Lord. And, and we ask, Lord, that your will would be done in our lives. We ask that your will, I ask, Lord, your will will be done in every person's life here. And the young people that are here, Lord, um, bring them, Lord, if they're not a believer in Jesus, bring them to faith and, and bring them to a realization of how special they are and, uh, and called of God to, to be disciples of Christ and that you would instill 
uh, eternity in their hearts, Lord. And help us, those of us who are, who are old in our faith, Lord, to, to use our time every single day wisely, Lord, for the kingdom. And Lord, when you came to the earth, Lord Jesus, you, you humbly came as a servant. You humbly came and allowed yourself to be sacrificed as part of the will of God the Father. And because of that, Lord, because of your, your obedience to, to God's will, Lord, we are here. And so... We thank you for that, Lord Jesus. And uh, we just uh, if we have the uh, elements be passed out, as the elements are be passed out, we're going to take communion today, just reflect on the kindness of God, the love of God that was displayed on the cross. When Jesus Christ shed his blood on the cross, that blood was sufficient to wash away all of your sins. And, and Paul says that if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Everything in the past is washed away. I, we're going to do about the Lord's Supper. But before be, uh, I have something I, I have to, I want to share. Um, let me share it right now. Then we'll do the Lord's Supper. I think there's somebody either here presently or or, or listening that. Um, that you're having a hard time trusting the God, trusting God, that you feel like the pressure's on you to, to fix things and to set things straight, and the mistakes of your past have, have affected how you, how you see how, how the future can be had, and, and the Lord wants you to trust him. The Lord wants you to, um, to surrender that control um, that control uh, of not just your life but um, a family member's life because you're trying to control because you're ashamed of your past you're trying to control because you're trying to, to fix what you've done and the Lord forgives you for your past and he wants you to trust him with, with your life and uh I don't know who that's for, but I just wanted to share that. Lord, thank you for your, thank you, Jesus, for your sacrifice on the cross. And Paul writes in in First Corinthians, he says in in, in uh, regard to the Lord's Supper, he says, "For I have received from the Lord that which I have delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, in the night which he was betrayed, took bread." And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Lord, it was your body that was broken. You were the lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. You willingly allowed yourself to be, to be crucified and beaten. And we are grateful for that, Lord. We say thank you, and we will spend all of eternity thanking you. And so we, we take uh, the bread in remembrance of you, of your sacrifice. Let's partake together. In the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this 
as often as you drink it, it is uh, in remembrance of me. For as often as you drink from this, uh, eat from this bread and drink from the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Lord, we, have re- we rejoice in the fact that your blood was sufficient to wash away all of our sins. No, ma- no more sacrifices in the temple, no more lamb sacrifices, but Lord, your one sacrifice was sufficient to wash away all of our sins for all of mankind, all of our life, and that we rejoice in, Lord. We rejoice in your willing sacrifice and your blood that was spilled. And we give you praise, Lord, that one day we will be with you in heaven because of your sacrifice and that you are, you are a risen Savior, Lord, and you're a loving, kind Savior, and you gave your life for us. And while you were on the cross, you were entirely in control and you were thinking about us, Lord. We, so, we, we just are so grateful, Lord. Thank you. Let's, let's taste and see that the Lord is good. Amen. Amen. Isn't God good? Amen. Let's uh, let's stand up. Let's stand up. So remember, next week got a special time planned. Gonna lay hands on brother brother Daniel. And uh, celebrate that. All right, well, let me pronounce a blessing, everyone. First of all, Lord, I just thank you for the, our congregation here. I thank you for your faithfulness to each one of us. And I thank you, Lord Jesus, for your will and your calling in our lives. And uh, I pray your blessing, Lord, and on each one and that you would pour out your spirit on, on us. And I pray for your encouragement and pray that you would, um, you would fulfill your will in our lives, Lord. And, uh, and uh, I just pray, Lord, that the Lord would bless you and keep you and the Lord would make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. And the Lord would lift up his countenance upon you I mean, smile on you and give you his peace, peace that surpasses all understanding, only the peace he can give because he's the Prince of Peace. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. All right, we'll see you guys next time. Take care.